You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's two days late because of me, but it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brentos Wealth. And Brentos Wealth was voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in 2020 and also 2017. And today I'm talking to Andre Basson from Brentos Wealth. And we're going to talk about a couple of things that have suddenly become in, in the forefront, if you like, of the financial markets and financial market participants, notably uh, Andre Evergrande. Evergrande is a name that we'd never heard of before. And suddenly Evergrande, which is a Chinese property developer and builder and a couple of other things as well, suddenly it's become important. Why is it important? And good afternoon, by the way. Yeah, hi, Lindsay. Thanks for the introduction. So Evergrande, obviously, second largest property developer in China. I had a discussion with my colleague the other day. He said, okay, why is it important? So first of all, They've got such big scale. For instance, one of the developments is is a soccer stadium in Guangzhou that would have been the biggest, um, could still be the biggest uh, capacity crowd, can hold the big, biggest capacity crowd in in the world. Like it's a hundred thousand uh, seater. So that that's the kind of uh, developments they they built. And what happened? Why it's important is if this company goes bust. Um, the trickle-down effect of that is, is massive. So what actually happened and why the market was disturbed by it is that they couldn't service the, the debt of, of a lot of the offshore creditors. So that basically means that they can sue them for liquidation. So the effect on that is not only that people will go out of uh, out of jobs, but the effect of that is if they have leveraged uh, some of their property developments, Obviously, then the bank loses on the, on those. If the bank loses out, it's it's trickle down effect for the rest of the of the the economy. And the Chinese are pretty much entrenched in the whole world. Uh, they, they're the biggest uh, export partner of South Africa, or the biggest trade trading partner of South Africa. So I'm rambling a bit about of that on now, but that's why the, why why it's why it's an important thing. Well, it's, it's it's an integral part of the Chinese domestic economy, of course, because it makes mm. two hundred six hundred thousand homes uh, per year. But I think for the the broader implications, Andre, are for the the debt market because there's a lot of municipal mm. municipal debt that we don't that is not listed. Uh, or rather that yeah. foreigners can't invest in in China that is looking a little bit um, stretched because of companies like Evergrande. And yeah. it's not just Evergrande. I think there's a few more Evergrandes out there. So what will happen is that the Chinese miracle suddenly becomes a, not a Chinese nightmare, but a, certainly a, a Chinese wobble. And we, and then yeah. that, that has a knock-on effect to the world markets. It seems to have it seems to have sort of been glossed over a little bit recently because of other events in world markets. Uh, but should markets be worried about this or should market participants be worried about this, do you think? Yes and no. So obviously the size of this, if, if, if Evergrande would – they're quite in a mess, but there's a lot of people that want to get, help them out of it. But if they would fall over, then the contagion of this would be massive. So, for instance, in the in – the, 28 global financial crisis when Lehman Brothers fell over, the, all the debt that um, that was linked to that uh, was in the banking system. In the banking system, if they okay, let me step one one step back, the banking system lends credit and cash to to consumers which, or, or businessmen which use that to spend 
and that keeps the economy going is like the, the oil in a machine. And if that oil dries up, the machine will seize up. So um, when when Lehman, okay, so when the bank stop lending money to people, then it's a problem. So if they lose some of their their assets, they they cannot just lend nilly willy. They've got reserve requirements to meet, which is there in place to stop them from lending too much. So this is a practice that that every country in the world apply. South Africa very diligently, by the way. But uh, the point I want to make is uh, in the in China, the government I think will not allow. Uh, such a contagion effect to happen because they have economic growth at the at the forefront of their agenda um, because they need that for the for the capitalist capitalistic uh, view um, they need economic growth and for for people to to get more prosperous so the so um, rightfully what you said that they've got a lot of municipal debt stuff like that they don't actually have a lot of sovereign debt on the top level like the US does in in, in uh, treasury bills etc they've got a lot of SOEs in China they so they push down the debt to SOEs like Escom is a bad example but they've got a lot of SOEs and so what they basically said now what I read on Reuters they've gone in, they approach a couple of SOEs which kind of like the the, the Chinese government own them anyhow and they back their debt, but these guys need to buy up the assets of Evergrande to avoid them from from being a, a, a really a messy stuff up. Yeah. Um, because the social unrest possibly from this is, is massive, so they want to avoid that. Well, they, 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 interesting dem- you say that. Just before you go on, while, they, while it's still fresh in my mind, Andre, there are pockets of the Chinese community that want to protest but are immediately put down. And I don't think we quite understand yeah. how the authorities put down any protests against central government. But there have been protests outside the Evergrande offices, mm. and that is very, very unusual. Uh, and it shows you the amount of discontent there is amongst investors and potential mm. homeowners. So it, it, it is quite a big thing, both internationally and within the China economy. Yeah, but the bottom line is I don't think the Chinese government will allow a really bad, bad situation where they really, the economy freezes up because of the banking system that, that's not operating, because of a, a, a property um, situation that, that was that just bad. But the point I also want to make is you need, like, in a... In, the economy is but a bit like nature. You need self-remedy. You need if if there's one species that die, another needs to take it over um, in a holistic way. Now, what the government does in China is they're not a pure dem- dem- democratic capitalistic system where they would allow investors to lose money if a company goes bust. They would uh, step in and they would say, "No, we're going to help out. We're going to." push the debt to somebody else, but that creates for me a moral hazard because it, it's not it's not fostering financial discipline. The flip side of the coin is, is if you look like at the 1.4 billion people, the opportunity set for the Chinese economy is still there, but it comes with a lot of risk. We always, always said investing in China will, will come with the volatility if you're investing Tencent, Meituang, Alibaba, companies like that, which is world champions, but but it, it really comes with a lot of risk because Big Daddy Chinese government is also there and they can regulate and they can step in anytime. And there's a lot of, they built that whole Chinese dream on a lot of debt also. 
Um, so, and that now comes to the forefront. So I think the one thing that investors saw is what they, sh- what we should have known and what we have known al- along the line is that is China is not a risk-free trade. No, there's no such thing as a risk-free trade unless you're in some incredible government bond that uh, has never defaulted. And I'm talking about the US now, but if, they, if the debt ceiling yeah. isn't raised, then suddenly maybe there'll be a downgrade. But you, you know what I mean. There are certain trades that yeah. are less risky uh, than others. And bringing all this into context, Andre, never mind Evergrande, because that's a, a, an isolated event which may turn out to be um, a, a damp squib if, when it comes to people that are bearish. But you've got to look at other things as well. You've got to look at uh, the Janet Yellen statement about the US debt ceiling. You've got to look mm. at soaring energy prices. You've got to look at inflation and rising interest rates. And you say to yourself, maybe it's time to take some protection. How do you protect your mm. assets? And, and when you sit down with a client at Brentus Wealth today, tomorrow, or in a week's time, what are you going to say to that person? Are you going to say we should yeah. be taking some sort of cautionary measures here? Yeah, so on your point for, for Yellen, she just wrote on Tuesday to say the government can't service their debt. They, they, all their commitments, they need to, they've splashed so much money at the problem, at the COVID problem, and they need to raise the debt ceilings in the U.S. Otherwise, the U.S. government is going to default. And that's much more bigger than, uh, like Evergrande, but so everywhere is risk, and we tell clients, listen, there's there's one or two ways that you can do this. You can either time the, time the market, so you take a bit of, of your portfolio and put it into cash, and then just sit there and wait until the market crash, and then reinvest, or you invest in the market and you stay for the bumpy ride. You need to decide how bumpy that ride will be. Is it 100% equity? Is it 70% equity? And then a bit of diversification around that cash bonds, etc. But the, the way I believe in is to, I cannot time the, time the market, but you invest in companies that can continue making profit whether COVID comes and goes, whether China um, fights with the US or not. And, and even then you need to understand the companies and the strategies you invest in. So we like to build uh, a big backbone in the client portfolio of just quality blue chip companies and they can shift their uh, manufacturing capabilities all over the world and they can earn income all over the world. And then we, if China is in your portfolio, it shouldn't be more than like a small percentage. It's not like a 40-50. Um, but we, we, we still believe that most of the best companies in the world are listed in, uh, in the U.S. But um, I cannot predict when the crash will come and because then you will need to move into cash and but when you're going to move back in into the market to get the the upside so we cannot time the market and we just invest in good quality businesses for the long run okay but uh, a final question are you uh, uh, advocating some sort of caution at the moment uh, andre uh, because things, yes, there's, yes. there's so many things coming together. And, and during this yeah. time of year, September, October, which are n- notoriously volatile months in the, in the world and U.S. markets, is, is it something that you're saying to people, let's just be a little bit cautious, let's hold back a little bit. Not to sell yeah. things, but just hold back. So, so on the building back is if you have a portfolio that's like 50% into tech companies, if the interest rates rise – like the Fed has said, they were going to start tapering. They, they didn't necessarily say they're going to increase interest rates, but they're going to start tapering, which means they're going to inject less liquidity into the markets. There's less easy money flushing around. 
So um, you you need to know if if interest rates would rise or inflation would if inflation in the U.S. would rise too much, then they would need to rise raise interest rates. So higher interest rate mean a company would need to service their debt. It is more expensive to service the debt. So you need to look at companies that has decent interest um, coverage, which means they can service their debt easily. They don't have too much debt, and they can still make money in a in a more tough economic environment. That's not cash is not just flushing around in people's pockets in the U.S. anymore. So you need to be cognizant of that. You need to be cognizant there's a bit more risk in China. If we look at extra regulation, you don't know what's coming next. Um, so we just advocate really a diversified approach. If you come to us now with a big amount of money, I'd rather phase it into the market than just put it in once, you know, in one go because we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of volatility. Um, and then also to stuck to your guns. You need to keep, keep your emotions that lid on because it's going to be a tough ride. And if the Fed continued with tapering talk and, and, and that kind of thing, the, and China uh, is is not growing as much as would have been expected a year ago, then the RAND might be under pressure because our balance of payments will, be, will come under pressure. So that just educates uh, diversification and global focus. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the angle we're taking. It's a good angle and great advice. Thanks so much, Andre. That's Andre Basson, who is from Brenthurst Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.